Welcome to the first episode of the Movement Docs podcast. Today we're going to be kind of introing the podcast and what we want to do with it, and then also giving you some tips and tricks for applying to PT school. Hey guys, and welcome to the first ever Movement Docs podcast. I'm Jake. I'm a recent uh, physical therapy grad from Shindo University. I uh, just got my doctorate, and I'm finishing up a master's degree in athletic training, also from Shenandoah University, and uh, finishing up my last clinical working in, in the NFL. And my co-host here is Mike. Yes, and so I am also in the physical therapy and athletic training program at Shenandoah. I'm still in school. I have not received my PT degree yet. Just about to finish the uh, penultimate semester where I get to start working into those clinical rotations. I have a past experience of a master's degree in exercise physiology, and I spent some time working before going back to school. So we'll talk a little bit about that, too. Yeah, so I think the two of us together kind of bring a unique perspective into this kind of world of, of rehab podcast because um, we're still students or, you know, I finished up PT recently, but I'm still in my athletic training program. I'm still doing some other internships, and Mike still has, you have about, what, a year to go? Yeah, just about a year. Yeah, soon. It'll, it'll happen soon. I see the light. <laughs> and so, um, Mike and I got together, it's probably been, what, uh, a year ago? We started talking about this, I think, in January of this year. Yes. And um, we kind of came up with this idea of, uh, as a, kind of an outlet for our the little bit of creativity that we both have. Um, and trying to, trying to find ways to kind of grow as clinicians ourselves um, and then also provide some sort of content for other people to grow as well. And uh, that's how we kind of came up with this whole movement docs thing. It's a, it's a good medium for us uh, to provide content and also pick the brains of some people that we hold in high esteem and regard. It's a way that we can create an environment that we can learn and improve. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's what we want to do is we want to help foster every, you know, the minds and brains and perspectives and techniques of everyone that's out there. Um, whether you're a current clinician, you've been practicing for 15 years or whether you're a student like us, that's still trying to, you know, deal with all the tests and homework and papers and all that other stuff that comes along with grad school and just trying to deal with your daily frustrations and, and come out on the other side and so it's kind of why we we chose this and this is going to be as much of a learning experience and uh kind of opportunity to grow for us as well as you guys our wonderful listeners there's probably what like maybe two of you right now at this point um, <laughs> and so we know this or this first attempt at a podcast is probably going to be a little bit rough but it's going to get better and we're going to become better podcasters and better clinicians and um, hopefully help you guys grow along the way as well. Exactly. So what are we talking about today, Dick? Uh, so I think our topic of discussion is kind of the process of getting into PT school. Um, I know you and I both have helped out a lot of interview days, um, talking to prospective PT students about and, and AT students as well, because I've, we've both helped out in, with both departments, but kind of what, what it's like, what, what we should expect on our applications, maybe tips and tricks to set ourselves apart from that, 
um, everyone else that's out there that's trying to get into PT school. And then maybe share some of our experiences and um, tell some stories about things that really stuck out to us that made meaningful, uh, impactful um, things. God, I'm so bad <laughs> at this podcast thing. Um, but just had really, really big impacts on, on us as we were applying and, and choosing the school that was right for us. So it's trying to find a way to demystify that whole application process, yeah. if you yep. will. Cool. So why don't you kind of start us off, Mike? Tell us a little bit about, you know, that whole change in your initial career in cardiac rehab to um, getting into PT and what it was like to apply and kind of the steps that you went you went through and how you chose the schools and, and all that. Yeah. All right. So buckle up. <laughs> this has been a, uh, a learning experience uh, over the past decade or so, I would say, at least. And so um, originally my motivations for getting into the healthcare profession and the field in general uh, were because of my father. He had a heart attack when he was 35 years old. And so I got to see him at his lowest uh, when he was in the hospital and he was all hooked up to the lines and tubes and all that stuff after his heart attack. And I got to see him at his highest, too when he went through cardiac rehab and kind of got his confidence back. And so that kind of motivated me to try to uh, continue uh, to reciprocate, find a way to give back as much as I could. And so I worked for a little while in a healthcare profession, working as an exercise physiologist in cardiac rehab and also doing personal training on the side and um, worked a lot with the physical therapy team in this place that I was working at. And didn't feel as though I was prepared enough to help those individuals as much as I could. I felt like there was more information that I needed to learn so that I could improve my tool set and the ways that I could help individuals. Um, and while I was doing all this stuff, I was also working with some athletes on the side and really enjoyed working with them, trying to find ways to rehab and, and get them stronger as well. And so was trying to find something that would combine my love for athletics as well as my love and passion for helping those uh, rehabilitate and get better. And so I just kept thinking about it as I was pursuing, you know, trying to figure out what options that I want to take. Did I want to go to PA school? Did I want to go to PT school? I knew I really loved like orthopedics and all of that. And so um, really considering what, what was important to me and what I valued. And so I really enjoyed the, the aspect of being able to have high amount of contact time with patients. I really enjoyed those personal interactions and I really enjoyed making meaningful changes or helping people make meaningful changes. And so that led me towards PT. And the athletic training side of it was because I enjoyed the sports and the rehab. My ultimate dream would be to have take somebody from an acute injury and bring them all the way through to the strength and conditioning um, from that. And so look for different programs and schools that offered that. And Shenandoah happened to be one of the programs that offered that dual curriculum. And that's kind of how I went that route. Okay. Um, what, uh, what other schools were you looking at? Because um, I know I'm not trying to like toot SU's horn or anything, but I know there's only a couple schools that offer the at least the um, consecutive dual track or the like I guess doing the two degrees at the same time. Um, I know there's other places out there that where you can get like a, a bachelor's in AT and then go straight into PT. Um, but I'm just just curious. I don't think I've ever heard your your story because again I didn't work <laughs> your interview day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had looked at a couple of other schools. I, I'm from upstate New York. I hail from upstate New York. And so I was looking in the northeastern section of, of the country to try to see if there was any other 
programs that are out there. And there was one in Boston that offered both that kind of like athletic training and, and physical therapy degree, that dual program. Um, but Shenandoah set itself apart for a lot of different reasons that we'll get into uh, after you share your stories and everything else as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you, you did do a, a fair bit of shopping around the, the country. And so when you went in, you specifically were looking for a place that fit your criteria that had PT and AT concurrently. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah. And it was, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. It was actually, uh, it was a weird kind of moment. I distinctly remember this because I was, I was in New York still at the time and I was still trying to figure out, you know, like where I wanted to go and what direction I wanted to take. And I remember waking up at three in the morning one day, bolting right out of bed and just sitting up and being like, I need to look for schools in Virginia. (laughs) It was a, it was almost like that word, like that wasn't my thought. It was just like coming out of my head. And so I just remember waking up and being like, oh my God, I need to look at schools in Virginia like right now. And I remember at like 310 in the morning, came across Shenandoah's website. And it's a pretty cool website. And I was kind of intrigued and I kept looking further and I saw that they had a dual program and I was like, oh my God, I need to look into this further. And then lo and behold, here I am. <laughs> Interesting. So previous to that, you had not thought about applying to Virginia schools. You just had some sort of epiphany. Yeah, it was weird. It was really weird. I just remember waking up and being like, I need to look at this now. And it was three in the morning. And I remember how weird that felt to me. But I don't know, something, some kind of push somewhere, maybe. Interesting. I think it's, I obviously have a little bit of a different perspective because um, one, I wasn't looking for a dual program. I just wanted to get into PT school. Um, I wanted to get into the athletic training world as well, excuse me, but my, I don't know, my path was a little bit different. Um, I went to UVA and I had always wanted to get into that, their sports medicine program. And when I got into it, I realized that things had been changing. The AT uh, degree had moved more towards an entry level masters. And so a lot of schools were no longer offering the bachelor's programs. And so UVA was no longer accredited. Um, as an undergrad, un- undergraduate program for athletic training. Uh, hmm. And so I, I, I just didn't have that option anymore. And so I kind of changed directions and I, I went just to pre-PT. Initially, I thought I was going to go, you know, go to school, become an athletic trainer, work for a little bit, and then go into PT school. And then when hmm. I found out that they were no longer accredited, and in order to become an athletic trainer, I need to go to a, like a one-year transitional master's program. And so things got redirected, um, and so I went truly pre-PT and was applying to, man, I applied to everywhere in Virginia, so ODU, VCU, um, Duke, Maryland, Lynchburg, um, GW, pretty much everywhere in Virginia and then, like, close to Virginia, because I I have some some family stuff going on and I wanted to stay close and didn't, didn't want to be too far away in case something happened. But then when I went to the interview day for Shenandoah, I found out that they had this dual program and got to meet a lot of interesting people through the interview process, which I thought was fantastic. And that kind of sold me. And then I of course (laughs) (laughs) went into the dual program backwards because I just did PT for a year and then someone was like, hey, you can still go into the athletic training program. And I was like, you can. And so kind of weaseled my way in that way and then 
the rest is history. But um, <laughs> I I didn't have that criteria like you did when I was looking for schools. I just I really just wanted to get in somewhere because my grades weren't great coming from college. Um, I didn't think I was going to be a great applicant on paper. And I think that's why I got denied at a lot of places that didn't offer a uh, an interview process that we're just looking at, you know, this is you on paper. This is, we think you're either good enough or not good enough to get into our program. Um, whereas okay. the interview process at Shenandoah, where obviously we keep talking about that because it's where we both currently go to school. Um, <laughs> but having an interview process was very integral, I think, into me being able to get into um, graduate school because I don't think that I would have been given an opportunity to pursue that if I wasn't able to talk to somebody and really, not really like argue or plead my case, but show that I was going to be a competent clinician and that I had interpersonal skills and could hold a conversation and had a decent, decent background in, you know, kinesiology, biomechanics, all that mm-hmm. other stuff. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. It's cool to see that, uh, you know, both of us have had two different uh, perspectives and different ways of coming about it, but we both ended up at the same place. Um, and you, you spoke a lot just now about the, the interview process. You know, how, how, how valuable do you think that is for different schools and for different people that are applying to different schools to, to use the interview process? I mean, I, I think it's a fantastic um, way to figure out not if you are right for a school, but if a school is right for you, right? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter really where you go. Um, you're going to get a pretty much equivalent education to, to pass boards and to become an entry-level physical therapist. Certainly there are other schools that are maybe have better programs in research or a stronger curriculum with you know, um, orthopedics or pediatrics. And there may be maybe those specialties that you want to look into and, and find out and apply to schools that have those specialty curriculum things. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where you go because a lot of the learning that happens in the PT world is post-professional. You know, it's working with patients, taking con ed courses, keeping up to date on research, and then, you know, figuring out a lot of stuff on your own or with mentors or, um, you know, in the field. So for me, it wasn't, I, I don't think I was so hung up on like a specific school but mm-hmm. the inter- what the interview process did is it led me really kind of get a better taste and a better understanding and idea of who the professors were, what the school environment was like, what the students were like, what their social lives were like, um, what to expect as far as like loan, loan money that I have to pay back, uh, rent that I'd have to find in the area. Um, mm-hmm. I think just having that that ability to, to really ask questions and ask pertinent questions that affect you. Like I know for me, it was, what do I do for healthcare? Like, do you guys provide healthcare? Cause I don't have it and I need it. Um, mm-hmm. what kind of loans are out there? Are there scholarships available to me? Um, but if I had just applied to a school that looked at my paper transcripts and didn't consider me as a human or didn't offer me the ability to like, interact with students or interact with professors to figure out if that was an environment that I wanted to be a part of, mm-hmm. I think things would have gone completely differently. I completely agree. So with I know that. I'm kind of like word vomiting and like ranting and there's just like this stream of consciousness that's coming out. But I think what I'm trying to say <laughs> ultimately is that the interview process really lets you um, find the place that you're, where you're going to succeed the most at. 
You know what I mean? Because you're you're trying to find that environment, that fertile soil that you're going to grow from. And for both of us, obviously, it was Shenandoah. But for, you know, the larger PT school population, there's tons of students that are doing fantastic and phenomenal things across the country. Right, right. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, you had mentioned that the interview process is is not only for the faculty and and the you know the the staff there to get an idea of who you are, but also to see how you fit there, and also your experiences and how well you feel like you're going to fit there. You know, it's almost like when you're when you go to the interview, yes, the faculty is interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them too. You're going to be spending a considerable amount of time, the next three years of your life, and a considerable amount of money. Uh, to this, you know, to this personal development that you're that you're about to embark on, right? And so you want to make sure that the place that you're going to is going to be a good fit for you as much as it's going to be a good fit for them. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, you are going to be spending a lot of your time with those people and with those professors. And I mean, we all we're all going to get on each other's nerves because you know you're with the same people for three years, but at the same time as much as that feels like a curse like you know two or three days out of the year it's it's a blessing the other 362 so make sure you find an environment that's that's where you need to be and most likely you'll have that sort of aha moment I, i know i did when i found our school um i remember just driving back and having a smile on my face going oh my god grad school is gonna be awesome (laughs) I didn't wake up in the middle of the night and go, I need to apply to schools in Virginia. But, (laughs) but I did have that, that moment where I was like, this, this just feels right. Like I can see myself here. And I mean, that's, that's that's the whole point of, of the interview day. Yes. Could not agree more. And that's for anybody that's, that's looking to, to apply to different schools, take advantage of open houses, take advantage of those, those times that you get to interact with students and other faculty members and professors and all of that, because uh, it really gets you a bead on what the school is like. Um, and a lot of times, if you do come and you, you just set up a meeting with the professor and you still have some downtime and you see some students that are just hanging out, go up there, be confident and ask them questions. Nine times out of 10, probably even 10 times out of 10, they're more than excited to talk about the school that they chose and why they chose that school. And they're more than willing to share that information because guess what? We were in that situation that you're about to be in. Yep. So, and know. we both have seen hundreds of students that come in and ask all the same questions. And, you know, I mean, we're always happy, happy to talk about anything and everything. Exactly. Um, now, kind of on the flip side of that, if <clears throat> you're applying to a school that doesn't have an interview process, there are oftentimes open houses or like accepted students days that you can go to and still kind of put a face to your name and so I know they don't it's it maybe may not make that much of a difference but having a face to a name makes you stand out a lot more on your application than just you know John Smith 3.8 GPA you know fraternity president of of whatever club um, played sports captain of his sports teams you know did volunteering because that's going to be pretty much the same thing as everyone that's applying to PT school. Exactly. Exactly. So you need to find ways that you can make your, you know, make yourself stand out, not only by meeting them in person and and showing them what a great person you are. Um, But you just brought up a great point, Jake, 
um, you know, what what kind of things do you think you should put into your application or what kind of things would you, what advice would you give to somebody who is applying to help them stand out and get to that first round? <laughs> it's funny because this is something that um, I get asked all the time um, from college kids that I've met, like at Shenandoah, UVA, JMU, wherever. Um, and I think the three, there's probably like two or three things. Um, I, I, there's three big things for me, and one of, one of them is the interview process, taking advantage of that. Um, the other two would be more specific to your actual application. Um, the first one would be what I like to call diversifying your portfolio. And not, I mean, not that any of us have any money because, you know, we have small mortgages that pay back in student loans. But um, <laughs> just the idea of not being like every other person that's applying to PT school, right? Because how many times when you ask prospective students, what made, you, what made you get into PT or what made you think about, you know, wanting to be a physical therapist? There's two answers that I get all the time. And it, it almost kind of sickens me. One is the athlete who got injured in high school, who went to PT, and then realized that, hey, I could be a physical therapist. This is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. The other is the person that loves people so much that they have to help people. And PT is a field where you get to help people. Right? How many, how many times have you heard those two stories? Uh, at least 80%. <laughs> yeah. Most... Most people, most prospective students, when they're asked that question, that's like the two stories that they go to. And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing, um, you know, because a lot of people are motivated by that. Um, I would I would challenge you if that is your response and you're listening to this to really think deep about why you are pursuing this career and what is motivating you uh, at an intrinsic level really kind of introspect and reflect and, and try to determine what your motivations are. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know it, it seems I'm probably come across a little harsh, but that's not, I'm not trying to say that if those are your two reasons that you should pick something else, just make sure like what Mike is saying, make sure that you kind of flesh that out a little bit more, right? Make it a little bit more personal. Don't, don't make it seem like super stereotypical. Like it is with a lot of applicants, like really bring out part of you, uh, you know, if it, explain the injury talk about how you know after shadowing and physical therapy you can see what it's like to be both a patient and a clinician you can walk mm-hmm. the line you understand what you know you have empathy for the, the patients that you're helping treat and that experience being injured really was like life-changing because of that and now you can understand the pain that the, your patients are going through versus just saying oh yeah you know i tore my acl in high school and i thought pt was cool from that example that you had just said, it sounded like you were speaking a little bit from the heart there. Do you have an example of of that from your previous experiences? <laughs> I like how you went straight for it with uh, from the heart. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, um, so when I was in undergrad, uh, I ended up having to get um, an ICD put in, so like a pacemaker-defibrillator combo. So I actually okay. had surgery, and they implanted this device inside my uh, – my right ventricle. Um, and it was more of a kind of preventative thing, but, uh, my mom died when she was 24 and her brother died when he was 22 of very, just like crazy, uh, cardiac issues. And, uh, I was di- diagnosed with dilated cardiomyopathy 
And so my <clears throat> junior year of college, when I was applying for or getting ready to apply for PT school, um, I had this like life changing experience where I had to have surgery. I didn't know what was going on. Um, ended up kind of spiraling into depression and trying to come back and rehab for my own injury. And so I kind of used a lot of those experiences, that personal experience, like what I was talking about, um, being able to see life as a patient and also as a clinician and kind of being able to meld those two things together. I think that helped strengthen my application. Um, and that kind of goes into our, my second, or my, I guess my third tip, because the first one was take advantage of interviews and meet people in person. The second one was diversify your portfolio. And we'll kind of come back to that a little bit more and f- continue to flesh that out. But the third one is don't write what I like to call a Mick essay, right? So <laughs> again, don't be, you don't want to be like everybody else. You want to find ways to set yourself apart. And so because essays are mandated for PTCAS and I think ATCAS applications too, you really mm-hmm. want to set yourself apart and you want to find ways to do that. So try not to have the stereotypical Webster's Dictionary defines, you know, physical therapy as essays, right? Make it really personal. Mm -hmm. Try to use different literary techniques if you're a good writer. You know, use first person. um, Bring in different parts of, you know, like like narratives. So for for me, my essay was was kind of like a first person, um, almost extreme of consciousness, I guess where I was working with a patient, she was grimacing because, you know, something was painful and that, that seeing her in pain triggered something in my brain where I could instantly empathize with that because I'd been there like six months before. Right. Like she had to relearn how to, how to walk and run and all that. And, you know, I couldn't use my arm for six or eight weeks. I had to put, (laughs) I had to put on dude, you would have loved me in, in college. I had to put on nothing but flannels with one arm for like eight oh weeks. Oh my gosh. I felt like I was living in like 1992 and exclusively <laughs> listening to Alice in Chains. Uh, but. Brings, brings flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. But because of that experience, because I had, you know, this like life altering surgery that to me was like hugely instrumental in changing my perspectives on a lot of different things, um, mm-hmm. I was able to kind of draw on that and then write an essay about it. <coughs> And so, you know, instead of writing the stereotypical, like, you know, oh, I'm, I love people. I love working with people. You know, I have perseverance and I'm smart and I'm good and I can do these things. I kind of told a story. And then from that story, people could pull out their own um, impressions of me. Like, oh, this person is motivated or strong or empathetic caring mm-hmm. because of the way that yeah. I presented myself in in this narrative I couldn't agree with you more Jake you know it's it sounds like everything that you just said you know you're pulling from your experiences uh, which is is great and not only that but when you're writing your essay you're not just telling people what you're capable of doing you're showing them and you're painting a picture and I think that's huge yeah you know that description any way you can create an image in their head of who you are um, on paper like that description, you know, vivid descriptors or even just, you know, showing that showing them uh, is, is good. And, and I guess the big part of that, one thing that my 
high school, my AP high school literature teacher always told us when we were applying for colleges and, and kind of had this whole process as well, was you really need to make that first sentence really pop off the page, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you've you've been in interviews too. Like I've I've sat in with professors and we look at your application. We can read your essay. We can see all your grades mm-hmm. and transcripts and everything. And a lot of times right. if I read the essay and it doesn't grab me in those first 10 seconds of reading it, I'm not going to read it because it, it's not, there's really nothing there that I, I want to pull from. But if you can have a really, really catching, you know, first couple sentences and, and, you know, tell a story, paint a picture and let us draw our own conclusions from, from what you're giving us. I think that means so much more and it shows that you can write and you need to be able mm-hmm. to have, you know, good writing skills and, in PT school because you're going to be doing tons of documentation for the rest of your life. Forever. <laughs> yes, which is prob- probably the the worst part of of the job. I don't think anybody likes to do documentation. No. Um, but kind of with that, so we talked about, you know, d- diversifying um, yourself and standing out. And so part of that, not only, you know, painting pictures with your personal experiences and letting people really get to know you and what makes you think and tick and think and move and feel and act and all that stuff. But when you're picking things to put on your application, like your extracurricular activities, try to do stuff that like nobody else does. Um, I know for me, and you're probably going to be a little bit different because of your second career and you already did a bunch of cool stuff before you went into PT school. Um, and you were pretty, pretty diversified already and had a good, good base of experience. But for me, all my classmates were going to do practicums just in PT. Right. And that was a way for them to like knock out both class credit, excuse me, and also, um, work on their volunteer hours. But in my case, I was already doing volunteer hours and I wanted to do something different with my practicum. So I talked to my special ed, special education, or sorry, adaptive PE um, instructor. So it's basically working with physical education for like special education populations. So what I ended up doing is I worked with an adapted physical educator in the Charlottesville school area and would go to different like uh, middle schools, elementary schools and high schools in the area and work with with students that had um, either intellectual disabilities, physical disabilities, um, or any so other sort of accommodation that they needed for to, to be able to complete physical, physical education. Um, and part of that was volunteering with Special Olympics and doing Special Olympics soccer and golf and uh, basketball and all these different sports in the Charlottesville area. And so I think for me, instead of just going into a practicum and doing like the cookie cutter thing like everyone else in my class was doing. I did something completely different that was related to, you know, rehab, PT, mm-hmm. strength training, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was also something that on my on my application kind of set me apart a little bit because I got to work with these special populations that, you know, I would down the road be doing physical therapy with. Right. So not it, you, you basically are able to, to showcase, you know, different experiences that you've had, like you said, set you apart, but it also is applicable to the field of physical therapy, but it's just outside of that, 
oh yeah, I got, you know, 10 hours in inpatient. I did my 15 hours and an outpatient or whatever is required from you. Um, and that's great. And I think to add on to that, um, you know, I think it's important that you do these things outside of the, the typical norm, but you also follow and pursue your passions, you know, um, find things that you're really engaged in, uh, don't go for the experiences just to get the experience of doing something, but really understand that you're doing these because you're passionate about this and you're, and you're following those passions. That stuff comes out in the interview. It's particularly when the, the professors will ask you questions about these different experiences that you had. You know, if they see you light up because you're passionate about the experience that you had with this special education population, uh, it's just that much more powerful than if you just said, yeah, I just did this thing, you know, I, I wanted to diversify myself. That's not going to go over so well. No, don't, don't just regurgitate my, my advice, my like Buzzfeed, like, you know, um, clickbait titles for, for my tips. Uh, you definitely <laughs> don't want to do that. Um, but but kind of along with that, even just within those observation hours that like every prospective PT student has to do, it, there are a lot of people don't realize how broad the scope of PT is, right? I feel like you're required to do outpatient and inpatient um, like as part of your shadowing hours. But like what about pediatrics or what about school-based PT or, you know, working or volunteering on like a, you know, like a neuro floor, working with individuals who have had, you know, traumatic brain injuries or someone who's rehabbing from a stroke. Um, there's just so much more to PT, you know, like aquatic therapy. Um, there's, there's even like hippotherapy with horses. There's physical therapists that go out and, um, you know, you use horseback riding to help um, oftentimes like younger children who happen to have like cerebral palsy or some sort of, um, developmental condition, but there's like so much cool stuff out there that most people don't think about. So I think part of this whole process of like researching your schools and the areas that you want to work in, um, really go out and go out and experience those things. You know, if you want to be a sports physical therapist, go try to find a clinic or, you know, find somebody with an SCS and like shadow with them, go shadow athletic trainers, um, working in like at your college, see what it's like to be in the training room, see what it's like to work in like a rehab setting with athletes. If that's what you want to do with PT, right? Cause that setting is going to be different, even though it may be more athletic training based, you're still going to get a taste for what it's like to be a PT that works in that particular setting. And again, it may be an experience that you're passionate about that sets you apart from other people mm. instead of just going to like a traditional orthopedic clinic where, you know, maybe they get an athlete. Right. So I couldn't agree with you more. That's that you hit the nail on the head there, Jake. Pursue your passions, <laughs> find extracurriculars that are meaningful to you. The, the field of physical therapy is huge. I'm still kind of bummed that hippotherapy doesn't have to do with Dude, hippo, that's so. Oh, my. That was, like, the biggest letdown for me in uh, our neuro class. I just – hippos <laughs> are just so cool. They're just – I wish I wish I could do therapy with them. They're majestic. They're just beautiful, beautiful animals. They're, they're glistening in the sun. Uh, their tusks are very deadly. They are. They can <laughs> – more people, more people die from hippo attacks than – 
like something else. I think isn't that one of the more deadly animals because they think they're so cute and then they'll go oh, up to them and then dude, get eaten. they'll snap canoes in half. Like <laughs> so, it's, there's probably a reason why hippotherapy is not with actual hippos. It's much safer with mm. horses. This but is true. They tend to be still a kind bit of more docile. Uh, kind of a bummer, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, <laughs> So those are, those are some pretty good tips that we had for applications. So we had, you know, diversify your portfolio, find different ways that you can get experiences outside of the cookie cutter world. Um, we've also had not writing a Mick essay, right? As you described, um, the interview is crucial. Uh, it's a great opportunity for you to put a name to the face as well as kind of vet the school that you're going to, to get an opportunity to see how well you fit in that program and how well that program fits with you. So those are those are some big points there. Are there any other points that you'd like to say or tips for applications? No, I think I mean I think that all kind of kind of hits it. I mean those are the three that I, I typically go to. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like just I mean it sounds so cliched, but it's it's true. Just be yourself, right? Because whether you're vetting the school or the school's vetting you, you have to be you. You can't put on some sort of like fake demeanor just to try to get into PT school right if they're not impressed with who you really are the school's probably not worth you going there you know what I mean yeah I'd agree with that and you know that reminds me of a story that you told me um, about group interviews and maybe maybe we want to save that for after we talk about group interviews or we can talk about it now Um, but you just you just mentioned that about finding if the school is right for you or not uh I, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll go ahead and this is this is one I've told this um, to tons of different students that uh, have come through, you know, interviews at SU, and <clears throat> I, I know we, again, I, like I've said it earlier in the podcast, I, I know we we plug our school because we go there, but I mean, if we went to any other school, we'd do the same thing, and that's kind of what it's like an interview day, you know, if you're a student working interview day, typically you're going to try to to plug the school, but one thing that I I try to do is just be very honest with students and, and remind them that, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't it doesn't matter if you have the highest grades in your class or, you know, you scrape by with B's and C's. Because if you go through a PT program, you're going to be a physical therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And as long as you try your hardest and you connect with people and you can make positive impacts, you're going to be probably a pretty good physical therapist right there's always room for improvement but if you can make it through school your heart's in the right place your um you know your passion is there to to help people achieve their goals you're going to be good at it but part of the whole interview process is going to be you know figuring out if this is the school for you Mm -hmm. and so the story the story that i tell is of my uh my group interview experience at george washington Right. So when I was coming through PT school applications, I had interviews at Shenandoah, George Washington, and Marymount. And Marymount and George Washington were group interviews. And group interviews can be pretty weird, especially when you're sitting around like, you know, there's like 10 of you in a room with a professor and, you know, they ask a question and pretty much everyone answers it the same way. And so it's, it's again, coming back to like, how can you find ways to separate yourself because you have to be different in the group setting, right? You want to show who you are. And so 
we, you know, we went through these different rooms. We were given like scenarios of like things that we would do. They asked us questions about like HIPAA, ethical dilemmas, all sorts of stuff. And then they brought us into this big lab and they split us into groups of about, I don't know, five or six people. And they gave us this like big sheet of paper and the instructions were write a list of five things that you would take to a desert island. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, this was like, if you know me, which you know me, um, it was kind of a challenge for me, like in my creativity. Right. Cause I, I, I tend to like, I want to know the parameters. I want to know what I'm working with because I'm going to try to make it, especially like fun group activities like this. I'm, I'm going to try and make it fun. I want people to be involved. I want it to be engaging. I want it to be fun. I want it to be silly. I want it to be creative. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I figured like everyone here is afraid. All these other groups are probably just going to write down like, you know, five stereotypical things like, yeah, like a books or my favorite CD or, uh, water. Cause I don't know how to make a filtration system with the t-shirt on my back or, <laughs> you know, it's just like Flint and Tinder, like no- normal stuff like that. Can you bring Bear grills? I mean, you could if you thought outside the box. Um, but so what in my group, you know, they, they listed five things and they're like, all right, guys, who wants to bring books? And like they started doing that. I was like, oh, hold up, hold up. This is like an experience or like an opportunity for us to be really creative and like show, you know, who we are as individuals. And so I was like, all right, guys, they didn't give us any rules. There were no parameters. We just had to come up with five things, right? well, what does our island look like? And so I took a marker and I started drawing this island and we started like kind of spitballing these ideas. And we came up with this idea that this island had like an abandoned theme park on top of it. So there's like roller coasters and like, you know, bathrooms and food courts and all this stuff. It was fully functioning um, amusement park. It just didn't have people. Like you were the, we were the only people on the island. And so just by having that on the island, we had running water, we had electricity, um, you know, we had shelter if we needed it. So we had all this, like, mm. these basic anemone, amenities, is that the word? Amenities. We had all these yeah. basic amenities that, like, I knew all the other groups weren't going to have. So from that point on, we just started going, like, super creative with it, right? We had, like, a chicken nugget farm on the island. We had... The palm trees, instead of like, you know, having coconuts as like their fruit, um, they had pop tarts of various flavors. So if we got hungry, we could go like pick chicken, (laughs) pick chicken nuggets from the ground or that were ready to eat or go climb a tree and like get pop tarts. Champions right there. Yeah, there's like cows that if when you milk them, it like automatically turned into like a milkshake. Um, There were. Like there was like a huge population of like like uh, Maine lobster on the north side of the island, so we could always have like lobster dinners, and because the amusement park was there and they had like you know like kitchens, we could cook everything. Um, okay. And so it just became this like creative, like in the span of fifteen minutes, we took something that was supposed to be very simple and we just completely undermined everything that that. Uh, exercise probably was and we turned it into this like beautiful thing right <laughs> and so <laughs> at the end of the 15 minutes we have to 
you know, all the groups select a representative and they go up and they explain, you know, why they chose stuff. And so we end up being the last group to go. And just like I thought, everyone's like, oh, we'd bring Flint and Tinder or uh, we really wanted to bring this like book of poetry because it really speaks to us, you know, just like we're and I'm in I'm in the back kind of like, oh, this is so boring. And finally, I get up there and I'm like, so before we talk about the five things, like, let's talk about the island that we live on. And so I have to like start explaining like all this crazy stuff that that we came up with and all the students are laughing everybody's having a great time finally start reading off the list and i'm talking about how instead of flint and tinder we chose to bring a flamethrower so that if there's (laughs) like you know anything from lighting a fire lighting a match um you know dealing with animals or if we need to do some sort of deforestation to build our next uh you know housing development on the island we we have this flamethrower to just like burn everything with and then we had a bunch of other like really silly stuff too um, probably like Samurai Swords or something because I, I feel like that that's the next logical thing in my brain that I would have put on the, on this list. But So all, every, all of the students are having a great time. We're all laughing. And I feel good because I get to be, you know, like goofy, creative me in, in an environment like that. And I got to push the boundaries of like, you know, what this assignment was. And I, I thought I was doing something right because I was really trying to show, I was just being me. You know, I wasn't trying to put on a show. I was just being me. And the whole time that I'm doing this, the professor that's like our proctor monitoring us is just giving me this like death stare. And she just looks so disappointed in everything that I'm doing. And I I just knew at that moment with, I mean, like everyone, everyone was happy around me. Everyone's laughing. But the professor was Mm -hmm. just kind of like eyeing me down and was like upset that I had done this. And I was just like. Yeah, I don't think I can go to this school, right? And there's tons of people that ended up going to that school, and they probably had a blast and loved it, and it was perfect for them. But I just knew for me that that wasn't that wasn't the right spot. Yeah, that that really hams, hammers home everything that we've been trying to talk about about trying to figure out what program is right for you, and how important that is to find you know which one is going to be the one that you're going to ultimately spend the next three years of your life at. And that's, that's huge. You know, for you knew, you knew at that point that that was not the school that you were going to go to, but your experience at Shenandoah was a little bit different, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very different. I just knew, and it's funny cause I ended up talking to uh, Linda Burrow, who's, um, she's kind of like an administrative assistant and runs much of the application process for the occupational therapy and physical therapy programs at Shenandoah. But I ended up talking to her for like 45 minutes. I don't think I talked to a single other student except for when I had to it, you know, in this one room that we were in. But I ended up talking to her for 45 minutes. And like she instantly knew who I was. She had my name tag. She actually forgot my name tag. <laughs> um, so, But she, she knew who I was though and like ran upstairs and got my name tag and was apologizing. And then we struck up a conversation and found out that she lived in a neighborhood that I lived in at one point in time and just like all these connections. And it was just, it was great. She just yeah. everything about it. And then the professors and the students that I got to talk to from Shenandoah were just, everything just clicked for me. Um, mm-hmm. What, what was your experience like? Did you have similar different? Yes. Yeah. And so 
you know, I had applied to a couple of different schools. You know, I, I applied to Mass General Hospital, the Institute of Health Professions, and uh, applied to a few other schools along the Eastern Coast and, and went to a couple of different places for interviews. Um, Shenandoah was one of my earlier, one of my first interviews. I think it was like the, maybe the second, maybe it was the second or third one, um, which I think was a blessing and a curse at the same time. Because I felt biased as soon as I went to Shenan- like went to the interview for Shenandoah, uh, nothing else seemed to compare. But again, all biases aside and everything else, uh, my experience coming to SU was probably almost like the feeling you get when you're going home. Uh, I remember driving into the parking lot, you know, parking my car in my suit, being all nervous, you know, having my clipboard ready, um, sweating a little bit, making sure that. My, my shirt was a little bit sweaty, but the sweat stains were okay and I could hide them. You know, I was like really nervous. Um, and I remember, you know, walking up to the doors. It was a little bit cold outside. Um, and I just remember seeing one of the students. One of the students was standing outside with this huge smile on his face. He just says, hey, how's it going? You know, you here for the interviews? All right, well, you're going to go downstairs. You know, somebody else will be able to help direct you as you get closer to the stairs. Uh, held the door open for me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know really friendly person, really just set the tone. Immediately, my anxiety about the situation that I was in was completely gone. Um, and then I walk a little bit further, somebody else is by the stairs, says, hey, you know, come on right down the stairs, you're supposed to, you know, go this way, you get your name tag. And I was like, oh, this is great, you know, people are really friendly. And then I get down the stairs and then I see Linda. And I'm like, hey, I'm here for the interviews. And she's like, oh, Mike, how's it going? She like knew who I was and all this information about me already, which is kind of wild. Um, but just like you had said, you know, we immediately struck up a conversation. Uh, things were, were really easy going. She, you know, she really cared about how my trip was and like how my drive down from New York was. I thought that was great. Met a couple of the professors felt the same way. And then just talking with the students and all that had this really like warming home homecoming experience. Um, ended up, you know, I ended up at the end of the day going out and grabbing dinner with a few of the um, PT students that were just there. FYI, when Mike says dinner, he went to Margarita Monday. Um, oh, yes. So there's a little bit more than just food. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I found that out because there... one of my roommates was working interviews that day. This is like the one day that I didn't do interviews at our school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was good. But the, the point that I'm trying to say, the point that I'm trying to say here, I mean, the margaritas on point too. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is um, that, that, that experience that I had was like no other and every other place that I went to didn't compare to the experience that I had at that school. Um, and so, you know, after talking with a lot of other students and what their experiences were, even at different schools, it's very similar. They feel as though they're going home or that's the right place for them. And so for those that are applying to schools and really looking for that, there is going to be a moment where you say, ah, yes, I think I can see myself here for the next three years. And then, and things go from there. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what you're looking for, right? Because we all we want to be the best PTs that we can be. We want to be the best mm-hmm. humans that we can be, right? Because there's so much more to life than just physical therapy, right? We need to be good right. sisters, brothers, moms, dads, cousins, uh, dog owners, cat moms. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, PT at the end of the day is going to be like 40 hours of your week. And there's still like five other days, most of that's been sleeping, but there's still five other days of time um, in -hmm. your working career life. Um, And so finding a place where you can, you can grow as a 
physical therapist, as a budding clinician, and as a human, and finding mm -hmm. ways to, to grow with your friends and with your colleagues and with your professors so that everyone ends up becoming better, that's the place that you want to be. And that's where you're going to mm -hmm. get your, your aha moment, just like Mike did, just like I did, where you know that, mm -hmm. you know, this is the right school for you. Exactly. And so I guess there's probably two other things I know that we, we, you know, we've kind of talked about before and that we get a lot of questions on. Um, one would be grades and two would be PT rankings, like PT school rankings. Okay. Um, do you have any thoughts on either one of those as far as like when you're considering applying or um, I don't know, nervous about applying to certain schools because they set their GPA at a specific point? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, um, I'm gonna give you the ultimate cop out on this one, um, and give you give you uh, a quote that our professors like to say a lot. Um, it depends. <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot of ambiguity when it comes to to, to grades and, and rankings in that regard, um, and it depends on. Let's okay. Let's talk about rankings for a second here then. And so there there is a ranking system. And, and schools are stratified. I'm sure those that are applying have seen that. Be like, oh yeah, you know, like USC is ranked number one, or they're ranked two now. Um, there's the way that that I understand that the the system is ranked, or the way that schools are ranked, has a lot to do with the amount of research that's published and pushed through, and the amount of uh, I guess the credentials that the professors have as they as they go through. And I'm sure there's more. Do you know if there's if there's anything else in regards to that, or is it mostly I'm, research? I'm sure or? there's there's more to it, but I, I th believe, at least the way it was explained to me, is that the schools kind of vote for each other, and then okay. a lot of that, like you said, has to do with research and you know clinical specialties. But um, it's it's really just like what can they pump out and contribute to the community, and so a lot of those right. bigger research institutions end up getting the higher ranks because of that. Right, and so I think. When you're thinking about rankings and trying to find the the school that's important to you, or or trying to find which schools to apply to, I think I think you need to ask yourself, what do you want to get out of your experience there? Uh, are you interested in in research and contributing in that way and finding you know new techniques or, or solidifying information that you can disseminate to the rest of the profession and help it grow that way? Are you looking you know, for for more hands-on kind of clinical experience with an emphasis there. You know, different programs are going to have different emphasis on what they do. You know, one school may be a research-based institution. One may be more of like a, a learning clinical-based uh, institution. And so trying to figure out where those values are in those schools and looking for what matches with your values, I think, is more important than trying to find the most appropriate score or like where they rank. Exactly. And I think that sometimes with those bigger research institutions, there tends to be more of that push on the research. And so mm -hmm. sometimes your classes are taught by, I mean, sometimes you get like TA kind of things for certain, certain like lab sections or whatnot, like maybe residents will teach it. Um, and then sometimes your classes are a little bit bigger. There's a lot less one-on-one -on -one with your professors. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's opportunities, like you said, to get involved with research, to be lab assistants, whereas smaller schools like, like our school, we're not a research institution. Um, our professors do still publish research and contribute to, you know, the larger academic world. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I think that having that smaller school, even, you know, just being in a small town where kind of like everybody knows each other, uh, there's more time to really get to know the, you know, the people that are your professors mm-hmm. and not just like their classes or, you know, what books they want you to read. But like I actually get to right. know them as human beings and, you know, sit down and like talk about real world things and like Game of Thrones and IPAs and just <laughs> very stereotypical like you know grad schooly things <laughs> that's the truth <laughs> sorry you had me hung up on IPAs <laughs> I just was channeling my inner AJ <laughs> he only drinks IPAs only that's it exclusively yeah not even not even water no, well, just IPAs. It's not an IPA is, is water. Did you? This is this is a complete non like secular. <laughs> uh, but did you did you ever hear that story about Humphrey Bogart? So he 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 was shooting uh, some film in the Amazon or something, and uh, the whole cast and the crew were down there, and everybody on the cast and crew ended up getting like it's it wasn't dysentery because this is an Oregon Trail, but it was some kind of like gastrointestinal <laughs> disease or something and everybody was sick to their stomachs and like really really laid out and but not humphrey bogart because the only thing that he drank when he was down there was whiskey <laughs> what a what a boss seriously oh man yeah <laughs> but <laughs> so there you go drink whiskey not uh, water so speaking what? of alcohol um it may or may not be something that you may use to cope with your grades um, especially if you're like me coming from college where, mm-hmm. you know, my GPA, I had a three, three coming from UVA. It's not bad, but everyone else in my applicant pool had like three eights and four O's. And so I was something I was certainly super nervous about. Um, mm-hmm. now that, that undergrad GPA was largely reflected on, you know, a really bad first semester. And then having to go through and work 40 hours a week for pretty much my entire college career, have mm-hmm. a major surgery, and then deal with um, a lot of like, you know, like health crisis at home with my dad. Right. Um, and so one of the good things is on, on PTCast, they give you like a prompt to explain whether or not, you know, your grades are reflective of, of who you are as a, as a student. And so for me, being able to explain that and also like, you know, things like my essay and my interview, be able to pull out those personal experiences and really talk about like, you know, yeah, my grades may not may not be good, but at the same time, like I've had all these life experiences that let me um, kind of empathize with patients a little bit more. Um, and also my science GPA was, was high. It was like a 3.8. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was just explaining that, you know, like I made bad decisions as a freshman. I was able to bounce back. I worked my butt off. And I had all these other things going on in my life, and I was constantly trying to juggle them. So I I think for me, even though, you know, that GPA was a little bit of a weakness on paper, when given the opportunity to explain it, either on PTCAS or in person, it kind of allows you to provide a different perspective to the people that are, you know, or trying to figure out if, if you're a good fit for the school. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, just to, to kind of tie in with that too, like, yes, grades are important to an extent, 
you know, you need to have a good foundation and a solid base um, for your pursuits, uh, you know, in academia, particularly with a doctoring profession like with physical therapy. But you also need to have a certain level of empathy and, and people skills. And I think that really speaks to your ability to, when you're when you're speaking in the interview and then ultimately like your future in the profession. Uh, when when professors are interviewing you and they're asking you questions and they're seeing how you interact in situations, they're seeing how you may interact with a patient, too. And that's important. Yeah. So things like, you know, eye contact, body language, um, trying not to stumble through your words and like, you know, kind of trip over yourself and then just just being confident. Like, I feel like professors are kind of like dogs. They can smell fear, you know, <laughs> so like just just be confident in who you are. Um, you've made it this far. So clearly they want you. They're just trying to figure out if you're um, the best candidate. You know what I mean? Like, it's like right. you've already made it to the first or second date. You just got to be you. And if the relationship's good, you know, they'll swipe right. You're good to go. Did you just make a Tinder reference? Uh, Tinder, Bumble, any of the handheld uh, dating apps, I believe. Yes, I Impressive. did. Impressive. I mean, how we're going to make obscure pop culture references. You already you referenced the Oregon Trail. True. And Humphrey Bogart, so like in the same sentence. True. <laughs> I can make a. T- I feel like I can make a Tinder reference. This is true. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. But those we should. Oh, go ahead. Go those ahead, people go skills. Ahead. What I was trying to say is those people skills are really important, um, especially yes. the nonverbal ones. So just just be confident. You know, look look your professors in the eyes, smile, but not not like a creepy smile. Just like a genuine, like, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. You know, I'm going to blow you out of the water type smile. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. (laughs) (laughs) Still laughing about that. What, Uh, my Tinder reference? That's awesome. I'm just glad that you used the Oregon Trail and dysentery. I can't tell you how many times (laughs) I didn't make it that far because Mary kept dying of dysentery. The dysentery was the worst. Well, that and, you know, when you play Oregon Trail on hard mode and you only pack grandfather clocks, it mm. makes it a little bit more challenging. Yes. <laughs> you got to be really creative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. But I think that kind of hits all the th- stuff that we wanted to talk about. Um, we talked about, we shared some of our stories, you know, you, you and I both kind of picking PT, how we ended up where we are. Um, my weird group interview story that kind of opened my eyes as to like, you know, an environment that I don't, I didn't feel like I was welcome in and that ended up helping me, helping to kind of steer me in the right direction. Um, and as well as like our tips for, you know, for applications, um, diversifying your portfolio or your application, your extracurriculars, whatever you want to call it, uh, not writing a Mick essay taking advantage of of interviews or um meeting with professors open houses things like that um grades that eh, they matter a little bit um Mm. pd school rankings they don't really matter right is that (laughs) is that all the stuff we hit we hit some other stuff too yeah yeah i think so i mean we talked we talked a lot about you know those experiences and different ways that you can be is successful with your application process and, and find ways to stand out. Um, 
So I think we hit a lot of that. What uh, before we kind of wrap things up, you know, what what would you say is is like the ultimate thing that you would want to have our listeners get out of this this podcast? Or if you could sum it up, what would you say uh, would be the the big number one thing? Ooh, way to put me on the spot, Mike. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know when you boil all of this down, right? I mean, I know this is our first podcast. It's probably a little bit rough. You can jump all, all over the place. Sorry, we, we jump all over the place a little bit, <laughs> but that's just kind of how our brains work too. But I think what we're trying to accomplish here and what PT school is trying, trying to accomplish, and if you really step back and think about it, what every experience that you're, you have, every day of your life, every interaction with somebody, everything's kind of trying to teach you a lesson, right? And I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like all of this is geared towards becoming a better person. And so in our realm of the movement docs, I think our motto is, is always move forward. And so all these lessons, um, you know, all these different bias challenging things, these different perspective challenging things, um, meeting people, looking at, looking at the world through, you know, like a different lens, um, being challenged, you know, failing, succeeding, failing again. Um, getting back mm-hmm. up, all of those things, everything, everything is teaching you a lesson. You just have to be receptive to it. And, you know, some of those lessons may be hard. Some of them may be, you know, something you already know, but all of that's geared towards making you a better you and keeping you moving forward. And so I think that, I know that's kind of wordy and just like everything else kind of all over the place, but <laughs> We always want to move forward, whether it's, um, you know, personal life, uh, clinically, um, professionally, you know, if you're trying to launch a small business, if you're trying to be a better husband, brother, wife, uh, you know, dog mom, cat dad, whatever it is, <laughs> um, you always want to move forward and just be a better you. Yeah. Strive, strive to be more. Mm-hmm every day i couldn't agree more yeah so i guess that i guess that's it for our first podcast huh uh yeah it's a little scary there were, <laughs> there were some mess ups you know yeah but well that's okay it, it, it's a it's a learning experience right and we're gonna get better at this as time goes on and hopefully mm-hmm. whether it's two people 20 people or 20 million people as long as there's some something that you guys can get out of what we're what we kind of babble about, that's all that matters to us, right? Because we just we just want to keep moving forward. Yeah, and if there's something that you guys want to hear about, uh, or some some information that you'd like us to talk about, please shoot us a message. You can is it the Movement Docs at Gmail? Uh, let me let me double check that. No, it's TMD Movement Docs at Gmail dot okay. I'm glad. I'm I glad. Think. You, I'm glad you double checked that. <laughs> Uh, let me see. Let me see. Yeah, I think you better you better confirm it before before I start spewing out some random <laughs> email in Algeria or something. We'll 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 double we'll double check that. We'll double check that. I I'm I don't I don't know how to do that right now. We're gonna edit this over. <laughs> you're, gonna start, you're gonna start getting some spam email from some Algerian prince and and that'll be. Wait, it. you mean I wasn't supposed to give him all my money? You gave him all of your money. Yeah, you said I was going to oh, like double it back in return. 
Oh, you're getting double back? Yeah. Oh my god! Why didn't you email me? I, I forwarded it to you. You must, it must be in your spam folder. Oh, uh, it's probably my that spam folder gets rid of all the fun things. Why? Why is it called? Have you ever thought about why it's called spam folder? No, I never. It's like I never really thought about like that. because the entire state of Hawaii loves spam. But um, I think it's just Hawaii that likes spam, though, right? But it is uh, just for clarification. It is TMD movement docs d-o-c-s at gmail.com um so feel free to shoot us questions give us feedback and then uh hopefully soon we'll have a our youtube channel up and running we'll post this on there and and then get on itunes pretty quickly after that but this is kind of our our first go at it and uh we we can't go anywhere but up from here (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, we always always move forward, right? That's our motto. Always move forward. The first step at being kind of good at something is kind of sucking at something. Yeah. So, here we go. <laughs> yeah. To quote uh, Finn, was it Jake the dog? Yeah. Yeah. And too bad it, it's not Adventure Time isn't the adventures of Jake and Fitz, or Fitz and Jake, or whatever it is. We sh- we should we should we should figure something yeah, we'll, out for that. We'll do like a parody video or something. Because that'll be good. that'll. Yeah, that'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, Please give us any feedback. And like Mike said, reach out uh, via our our Gmail account. And uh, we're going to be cranking out more of these. So get ready. Thank you guys for listening to the inaugural episode of the Movement Docs podcast. Uh, We really appreciate the support and hope you enjoyed it. For any and all questions, comments, concerns, complaints, uh, feedback, or general advice, please direct that to our email account. That's tmdmovementdocs, docs spelled D-O-C-S, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.